Hi everyone, I'm Frank Rock, and welcome to the From the Hack podcast for week 16 of the 2017-2018 curling season. This week our guests include Nina Roth and John Schuster, who skipped their respective teams to victory at the U.S. Trials last week. Bruce Mowat of Scotland joins us to discuss his team's big win at the Boost National Grand Slam in Sault Ste. Marie. Mike Anderson joins us fresh off his team's victory at the Canadian Mixed Championship. Plus, we continue our road to Ottawa series with Casey Scheidegger and Kate Cameron, the third for Team Englot. All that and more this week, but first, Canadian musician and non-curler extraordinaire Jimmy Reed plays us into the podcast. The U.S. Olympic trials took place last week in Omaha, Nebraska, with five men's teams and three women's teams battling to represent the U.S. at the Olympics in Pyeongchang. Team Roth, ranked 11th in the world, defeated Team Sinclair, ranked number 13, two games to one in the best of three final. Nina Rod joined us to discuss her team's victory in Omaha and qualifying for her first Olympics. Well, Nina, it's been almost 24 hours now since your victory in Game 3 of the U.S. Trials Final. How does it feel to know that you have qualified for the 2018 Olympics and will represent the United States in Pyeongchang? It feels absolutely fantastic. had a blast celebrating with my team and our coaches last night and had a, a meeting with Team Schuster and um, everyone today talking about plans. And so it's slowly starting to sink in, but we just feel so so proud of our, what we've accomplished and and can't wait to go to the Olympics really your team won the first game of the final but then lost the second game which set up the third and deciding game of the final against team Sinclair what did you and the team do between the second and third games to reset and make sure that you were in a positive frame of mind for what was the most important game of your career we really just came together we um, all had dinner we made dinner together at our Airbnb and kind of just kicked back watch some TV, just try to bring each other, build each other up again so that we would get prepared for this next game. And then in the morning when we all woke up, we were just fired and ready to go, you know, singing in the car, just ready to rock. In the deciding game of the final, your team seemed to be in control until giving up a steal of two and the lead heading into the final end. What was the conversation like for your team between the ninth and 10th ends after the tide had turned a little bit? Yeah, that was definitely not not an ideal end. There were a few misses and an unfortunate red light on my last one that uh, didn't put us in the greatest position. Um, but my team was awesome. We handled it fabulously. We came together, took a deep breath, all talked about it, said, look at the scoreboard. We're down by one. We have hammer. We know we can get two in this last end and just put this game away. We've been scoring two uh, consistently throughout the week. We know we can do it. I want to touch on a couple of events that likely served you well in Omaha and will serve you well in Pyeongchang. Let's start with the World Championships last season where you did finish 6-5 and five in the round robin, but you were awfully close to finishing 8-3 and three, if not better, playing against almost half the teams you will face in Pyeongchang. Looking back, how beneficial will the experience your team had in China at the 2017 Worlds help you as you prepare both on and off the ice for the Olympic competition? The World Championships was an amazing experience, um, very beneficial to uh, helping us gain confidence in, in our ability to play against these teams at the Worlds and the Olympics. 
we we did well looking back. You know, we were we were, were really close to possibly qualifying and seeing that and that it was our first time there and that we handled the stress and the competition very well helped build our confidence in and moving forward and that definitely helped this season help help it have to start out stronger this season than we did last season for sure. Speaking of confidence, I also want to touch on your team's victory at the Canadiens Classic last month, where you beat five top 20 teams, including three of the top five ranked teams in the world. How much confidence did you gain at that event, not only for the trials, but to give your team the sense that if you are playing well, you can compete with and beat the best teams in the world? Yeah, that tournament was definitely a highlight of not only our season, but our careers. Having played all those teams and doing so well, we were our coach was setting us, but he was setting us in, like, the 90 percentile. And we were just making everything and vibing and making good calls and doing everything right. So we came home from that and were just eager to get to the trials. Um, we had to wait two weeks before coming here, but we were we were primed and excited to, to get to the trials and, and get this thing started. Many in our audience will know your coach, two-time world champion Al Hackner. What has he meant to your team since joining you earlier this season? He's been a fabulous addition to the team. He has so much knowledge about the game, but also um, he's just got a very good, steady demeanor in, in how he coaches. And he's just, I'd say he has like a quiet confidence that just helps calm us and, and helps us believe in him and ourselves too. So we're, we're very happy to have him on, on the bench with us. Looking ahead a little bit now, what does Team Roth have to do moving forward to achieve the goal of standing on the podium in Pyeongchang? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of doing what we've been doing for, for the last two seasons. Keep pushing, um, keep working in the gym, keep practicing, and get in, get in a bunch of games, as many games as we can between now and the Olympics. We'll be doing a lot of preparing. It is our first time um, for everybody at the Olympics. So we'll be doing a lot of work with our sports psychologist and talking to, you know, John Schuster's team. John's been there. This, he's been there multiple times. So we'll be looking to him for, for advice and just knowledge on, on what to expect when we get there so that we are as mentally prepared as we are physically prepared to perform. And finally, Nina, I think it's safe for me to assume that there are several individuals that have played roles big and small in leading you to this moment in your career. I wanted to end the interview by giving you some time to recognize some of the people that we may not know in the media or in the general curling audience and who may not have been on the ice in Omaha, but that played a role on your journey to becoming Team USA at the 2018 Olympics. Oh my gosh, yes, definitely the, the outpour of congratulations that I've received from fans and family members just speaks volumes to the amount of support that I've had in my entire curling career and my team has had over over our over their curling careers you know my husband my parents my grandmother everybody has been just so supportive and I could not be here without them could not yeah couldn't I can't say that enough could not be here without them my husband is an amazing amazing support keeping me level-headed keeping me moving forward keeping me positive and then, of course, our, our amazing coaching staff, the HP team um, that we got put with four years ago with Derek Brown, Carly, Brian McWilliams, our sports, psych- sports psychologist and, and trainer, everybody has been absolutely phenomenal. Of course, Al Hackner, our coach this year, having 
been put together with us and giving us his knowledge and his wisdom. The, the list just goes on and on. I'm so honored to have worked with all those people and, uh, and can't wait to keep working hard for them. Meanwhile, in the men's event, Team Schuster defeated Team McCormick two games to one after falling behind one game to zero in the best of three final. John Schuster joined us to discuss his team's victory and how it feels to qualify for the Olympics for a fourth consecutive time. First and foremost, John, I wanted to congratulate you and your team on uh, winning at the Olympic trials in Omaha on the weekend and uh, being named uh, the United States representative at the Olympics in Pyeongchang for men's curling. This will be your fourth trip to the Olympics. Is it as exciting the fourth time as it was the first time you got to go to the Olympics back in 2006? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's every bit as exciting. It's, um, it's a different kind of excitement. I think the, you know, the first time as a player, you know, I was quite young and, and the lead on a team, but a uh, the, the first time you won the Olympics is, is really, I think it was, you know, I got to see that out of two of my teammates yesterday, and, and that, that feeling was there. And then the first time I qualified for the Olympics is a skip. I just think it's, again, probably similar excitement. But, uh, but this time around, it, it was more of a fulfilling excitement and uh, an excitement to be able to take the next step and, uh, and really with a team that's been together now for, it's going to be four years, this is our fourth year together. It, it's an excitement to uh, to get the chance to go and test ourselves uh, on the biggest stage. Heading into the Olympic trials, Team McCormick had a 3-1 record against your team with their current lineup. Now, aside from the fact that each win in the round robin is important, were the victories against the team you would play in the final especially important since you'd only had the limited success against Team McCormick over the past year and a half? Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, every round robin game is a, is a huge win. But, uh, but yeah, getting, getting those two wins, you know, against the against the team that ends up playing against you in the playoffs is is big because uh, I think it gives you a little bit extra confidence heading into um, heading into a thing like a best of three. So you know we we felt we've we've always felt we've had some really good games with those guys and we you know the the two losses we had to them in finals of Cashfield last year didn't put very good games together and then we played you know a pretty epic game against them at the nationals last year. I think I shot a hundred percent in the game and as a team we shot in the nineties and they shot in the nineties and it kind of was similar to uh, the last two games of the um, of this playoff series, where you see you know one team shooting ninety percent, the other shooting eighty eight, and really being a um, <laughs> what what probably put you know some of the best curling that the U.S. has ever put on TV. Um, so it's pretty exciting to be a part of that. And uh, man, that's a that's a dang good curling team that that Heath and uh, Chris Corey and Tom have. So uh, just really proud to be able to to be able to beat a team that caliber to uh, do something like go to the Olympics. John, after losing the first game of the final against Team McCormick, your team came back and curled 96% in Game 2 of the finals. How proud were you as Skip to see your team really step it up in a do-or-die game like that? I mean, I, I can't even ex- begin to explain how proud I am of, um, of, the, of the guys for, for showing up. But it was, uh, you know, we, I, think we got, we, I think we walked into that first game trying to make sure we were relaxed. I think we got too relaxed, honestly. And uh, and we we learned a lesson I think from day one to day two and uh, and we came in you know with that feeling like you know we, we knew our backs were against the wall and but we also have had a lot of success with our backs against the wall in the past so whether it be you know getting down to the sea of a of a triple knockout or or you know or losing a game or two early in a round robin you know we started two and three at the worlds I think each of the three years we made it to the playoffs at the worlds so you know I think it was a it was a common feeling but we, we were able to take what we've done in the past, the backs against the wall, and also take of, you know, what didn't work for us the first game of the playoffs, and uh, and really um, figure out what we needed to do to be prepared to come out and play Friday and Saturday, and 
and we did just that, and I was extremely proud um, to be a part of a team that was able to do that. Now, looking ahead to the Olympics in Pyeongchang, Tyler George and Matt Hamilton have never experienced an Olympic competition before. What, if anything, are you going to share with your two teammates in an effort to get them mentally prepared for competing at the biggest sporting competition of their lives? I'm going to share with them a lot of nothing. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, it, it's, a, it's a huge stage, but um, I think the I think I'm going to I'm going to let that to our high performance staff. Every single one of them on the staff has um, Olympic experience as well, and I think we're going to do a, a great job of preparing ourselves on the ice. And uh, and when we get there, you know, obviously I want those guys to soak in every second of of the Olympic experience, and, and I don't necessarily want to ruin things by saying, oh, hey, this is going to be this awesome, this is going to be like this, and you're going to have to watch out for this. But, um, you know, we're mainly going to be focused on the, on the curling because, um, again, this is something that we've, we've been all working our butts off for four years uh, to go and play in that competition. And, and the rest of the Olympics will obviously take in and enjoy, but we're definitely, I mean, we have a pretty big media blackout period where we're going to be just focusing on curling. So I, I know those guys have, have big game experience and playing in three worlds. Uh, the Olympics are essentially a world championship, so um, to get them ready, I don't think I have to do too much, actually. Your team will be familiar with most of the teams at the Olympics, so what does Team Schuster need to do, or perhaps need to do better than you have so far this season, to reach the podium in Pyeongchang? Well, I think uh, I think we can take what we did this week um, and build off of that. You know, we put together the most difficult schedule possible heading into the trials to really make sure we were battle-tested even this season, so... You know, we played in we played in two slams, and we played in um, you know three more top tier events in Canada, which were essentially slams with a few extra teams at them. So, you know, we're going to keep doing that. We got a our, we got our schedule set from uh, between now and then, and you know, it includes Continental Cup, which we're excited to uh, be part of North America again because our team's done that. So, and then we have uh, we have a, a local event here that we play in every year, which is in December during the Canadian Trials because there's not really events going on in Canada then. And then uh, one of our top U.S. events. Uh, right over the first of the year, and then you know, hopefully we, we do enough at our upcoming U.S. event to maybe even get into that slam that is right before the Olympics. But you know, mainly we just gotta gotta stay fresh and stay focused, and and really periodize our schedule to get back to you know peak performance at the Olympics like we did um, leading up to uh, the Olympic trials here. And finally, John, I think it's safe for me to assume that there are a number of individuals that played roles big and small in helping your team meet its objective of qualifying for the Olympics. I wanted to end the interview by giving you a few moments to thank or recognize some of those people that we may not know in the media or in a general curling audience who may not have been on the ice in Omaha but helped your team stamp its ticket for Korea. Oh, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. I, I I think I talked to my wife a little bit about this um, yesterday on the ride home, and, you know, my... My parents, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do. I'm essentially a full-time curler. I work one one day every week or two at Dick's Sporting Goods in their contenders program, and um, that's allowed me to keep my kids in daycare. So I have a huge thanks to Dick's for that. And then my my parents and my wife, uh, if they were if they didn't step up and do what they do with you know me having two young kids, obviously things to do around the house. Um, you know, when I leave for a tournament, essentially my my mother comes and replaces me at my house so I can go and train and, and do what we do. So um, we're, we're <laughs> I'm out there playing for all of them all the time. And, uh, and I know everybody else on my team is similar. Um, you know, Tyler's got, got his, uh, his folks and, and all the people at his family liquor store that all step up to the plate. So when he needs to leave it, he's able to leave. And then uh, Matt has, has a wife, Jen, who is incredibly supportive and does everything she can and 
um, to make sure that, again, when he goes curling, that he's able to focus on curling. And, um, and his parents have been always been amazing. Obviously, they raised two now Olympians, so uh, they must be doing something, right? John Kathy, and then um, John Lansiner has uh, his wife, Kelsey, who, uh, again, incredible support, and her and, and, and her parents and, and John's parents for sure. Um, yeah, they all those people, without without any of them, I, we definitely aren't able to, to do what we do and definitely wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do what we did um, this last week. And, uh, I mean, they they actually, after the first game around Robin, weren't happy with their performance in San Peter. Um, <laughs> they're kind of spread out all over the place and nervous, and uh, and they said, we're going to band together and we're going to be in one giant group and make sure you guys know we're there and feel our presence. And, uh, and they did that unbelievable in the, the last two games of uh, that round robin. And, uh, yeah, so leading up to there and, and essentially there as well. And Joe Polo, who's <laughs> also our alternate and has been with us for the last two years, I, that guy is unbelievable. And, and his wife, Kristen, and their daughter, Elsa, and, you know, they've been through a lot in the last six months. And, uh, yeah, with, without Kristen allowing Joe to come with us and, and do what he's done the last, the last two years. And him, you know, he's the guy who wants to be out on the ice playing, and, and he, he chose to be able to be our alternate. He's came in and played, you know, in several steals and at the Nationals and Worlds and whatever. And without having somebody like that in the background with us, I mean, that guy is the rock matching king. So we know when we're getting on the ice that we're playing with um, the best set of rocks we can possibly put together on each sheet because of what he does at nighttime. You know, one, one sponsor that we've had with us our entire trip here is, uh, is, is Quick Trip, which is a, you know, local convenience store gas station chain in the upper Midwest. And, uh, you know, sponsorship in the U.S. is something that's not easy because uh, we don't get the TV coverage necessarily that, you know, that, that we get up in Canada. So, um, but to have, have a partnership we've had with them for, I think, now for five or six years. Um, every single year we say, hey, you want to still be part of our team? We'd love to still be part of your team. And, and they've done that every year, and uh, we can't thank them enough. And uh, last and certainly not least, Hardline Curling. When, when this team came together in 2014, we had nothing but the brooms we had left over from other teams. And uh, and the first event we played at, we played against we played against Team McEwen in the playoffs, and that was their first year of Hardline even basically coming to the map. And, um, and Mike, <laughs> initially, uh, Hardline was like, yeah, we can give you some we can give you some discounts. We're not sure what we can do. And then Mike talked to uh, to Archie and, and the guys at Hardline. And I remember getting the call from Mike that said, we're going to set you up because uh, we think that an investment in this team might be something worthwhile. And uh, and they've stuck with us every step of the way through all the <laughs> everything we've done. And, and uh, we're extremely proud to be sweeping um, Hardline Hardline brooms. And yeah, we're uh, we're really excited to be to be taking them with us to uh, to the Olympics as well. So. Um, it's really a, a giant team around the team, and and our coaching staff of the high performance program in the U.S. You know, we didn't start in the program, but after we won that first year and went to the Worlds and applied for the program again and were accepted in, there was never anything other than hard work put in by them and by us, and um, and we're just extremely, you know, thankful and grateful to have have that support uh, for throughout the last um, three seasons or yeah, two seasons in this current season. So they, they provide us with everything we possibly need for on and off the ice to be ready to uh, to perform our best on the ice. Oh!
The Canadian Mixed Curling Championships took place in Swan River, Manitoba last week. Quebec dominated both the round robin and championship pools going 10-0, then defeated Newfoundland and Labrador in the semi-final. However, they weren't able to close the deal as Ontario defeated Quebec 7-3 in the final. Mike Anderson and his team from Thornhill won Ontario's fourth ever title at the Canadian Mixed. Newfoundland and Labrador defeated New Brunswick 6-3 to win the bronze medal. Winning skip Mike Anderson joined us to discuss his team's victory at the event. Mike, congratulations on winning the Canadian Mixed Championships this past week in Swan River, Manitoba. I wanted to start by talking about the final where you managed to tie the game at three in the sixth end, then stole one in the seventh and three more in the eighth. For those that were not able to watch it online, how tight and stressful were the final two ends of that final against Team Quebec? Definitely a tight game for sure. We didn't exactly get off to the start we wanted by dropping two in the first uh, Robert and his team had been uh, very conservative and basically been playing with the lead all week. So uh, that was very comfortable for them. And uh, for us, for, uh, from that point on, it was really just about patience. We knew that there'd be a couple opportunities, and it was just going to be a matter of uh, taking them. And uh, as the game went along, the sixth end uh, made a nice hit and roll to create one of those opportunities to score a deuce and tie the game. And it, it's funny, it actually, the seventh and eighth ends were less stressful for us. Uh, because their team actually switched to playing more of an aggressive style all of a sudden, and uh, we were able to get a couple rocks in play, which is more our comfort zone, and uh, it kind of, I don't know whether it you know, played with them a little bit mentally or not, but uh, it definitely made us feel a little bit more comfortable and reduced our stress level with everything, and uh, the guys basically put together three perfect ends of curling, six through eight, and uh, all we had to do was make sure we didn't outsmart ourselves in the end. So tell me how it felt when the game came to an end and you realized that you were a Canadian champion. I counted the rocks first to make sure you didn't have any left. But uh, other than that, it was just kind of like, wow, that just happened. I mean, uh, we've that was actually the first time I had actually won something where it wasn't myself making a rock. So it was kind of weird in the sense that it was not uh, jump up and down and do all that sort of stuff type of win, but uh, just really kind of, yeah, we won. So <laughs> it was uh, – they were uh, – pretty emotional on the ice so it was hard to kind of be the sportsman and celebrate all at the same time so we didn't go crazy no broom throwing no nothing like that but uh, inside our heads uh, I was definitely doing the Joey Bats walk-off so it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Events such as the Mixed Nationals involve dedicated curlers and teams who often don't get as much recognition as the teams that go to the Briar, the Scotties, the Grand Slams etc so I was wondering if you might be able to take a few moments to tell us a little bit more about the members of your team. Uh, I actually start with the team as a whole, and it's kind of unique and interesting for kind of rooted in social and being a little bit more fun as opposed to the uh, strict competitive side of the men's and ladies. So the teams flip-flop back and forth uh, a lot, and our team's a little bit unique in the sense that we've actually played together for seven, and now this will be our eighth season together, mainly just because we're four friends outside of curling, and we just do it because we enjoy playing the game together um so that that's kind of a unique thing i've actually stayed together longer with this mixed team than i ever have with any of my men's teams so we're a little bit different from that perspective but uh i guess starting from the top danielle and i have curled mixed doubles together we've played mixed together obviously uh we went to school together at wilford laurier uh, so that's really kind of where we uh got to know each other well for the first little while. Uh, both of us were on the men's and women's team, respectively, that represented Canada at the 2009 uh, World University Games in Harbin, China. So been fortunate enough to kind of grow up 
in the international competitions that we've played in together, so uh, very familiar with each other that way. Sean Harrison, who plays second for me, we started curling together way back when, when we were about 12, 13 years old, um, and he actually did a lot more curling than the rest of us did. He was actually in Summerside playing with Team Durrell the week before the mix, so I think he worked it out to that he ended up playing 20 games in 10 or 11 days, so uh, he was pretty happy once uh, there was no curling to be done and we could kind of focus on the uh, behind-the-glass stuff. And uh, Lauren Harrison, who's Sean's wife, um, plays uh, lead for us, and uh, her and I met, obviously, through Sean uh, a number of years ago, and uh, I curled with her uh, in the club, actually, at Thornhill, and that was where her and I got started, and uh, she's obviously gone on and done some of her own things, uh, playing in the women's tankard last year in Ontario and all that sort of stuff. So, And our connection to Thornhill is uh, both uh, Lauren and I uh, played there in the past. Lauren is still a uh, full-time member there, and the rest of us are just kind of associates, and we'll go and have some team practices there and things like that. But uh, the club's been phenomenally supportive of us. Um, we've represented them all uh, seven years, and uh, the membership there is, as I say, super supportive. Uh, they welcome us, uh, whether we're there full-time or whether we're just practicing and things like that. And, uh, yeah, we're really happy that uh, we can bring back what I believe is the first uh, Curling Canada banner for them. And finally, Mike, for the past few years now, the winner of the Canadian Mixed Championship has gone on to represent Canada at the World Mixed Championships, with Canada winning its first medal last month, a silver medal by Trevor Bonat and his team from Northern Ontario. Last time I checked, the World Curling Federation had yet to announce next year's host city, so I was wondering if you could update when and where you will be representing Canada at the 2018 World Mixed Championship. It starts on the 13th of October of next year. Um, but uh, similar to you, we don't actually know where it's being held yet. Uh, we've heard rumors that it will be somewhere in Europe. I know the last one was in Switzerland. Uh, whether they'd go back-to-back -back like that, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, somewhere starting October 13th next year, we'll be representing Canada. And at this point, uh, sure, it'd be nice to go on a trip, but at the end of the day, if they decided to hold it closer to home, then we'd take the support. We're just uh, really looking forward and excited to go wherever they tell us to go. The Boost National, the third event in this year's Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling, took place in Sault Ste. Marie last week. Team Jones continued their strong play this season, going undefeated in the Sioux and defeating Team Scheidegger 8-7 for their second slam victory of the year and set themselves up nicely for the upcoming trials in Ottawa, where Team Jones will look to repeat as champions. In the men's event, Team Howard of Scotland defeated Changmin Kim and his team from Korea 9-4 in the final and became the first men's team from Scotland to win the Grand Slam event. It was an impressive win for the young Scottish side, who defeated Team Jacobs in the tiebreaker, Team Cooey in the quarterfinals, and Team McEwen in the semis before defeating the Koreans for the title. Skip Bruce Mowat joined us to discuss his team's big victory in the Sioux. Bruce, your team won the final at the Boost National Grand Slam 9-4 with Chang Min Kim and his team from Korea, but the game was much tighter than that after you broke it open with a 4-ender in the 7th end. How much of a grind was that final? Yeah, so uh, the score was uh, maybe a bit misleading. Uh, we were actually quite, well, we felt quite far behind in the, uh, after the third end when we lost another steal. So uh, we went, I think it was 3-1 at that point. And then we played a really good fourth end uh, to secure a, a three to go one up at the break. So um, we definitely, it wasn't always in our own hands. Uh, and yeah, we just managed to keep the pressure on them after we got ahead and 
And luckily we had that shot for four in the seventh to secure the win. This was her first Grand Slam final and you were likely a little nervous, uh, which is very natural. How were you able to manage your nerves while playing in the most important final of your young careers as a team? Uh, yeah, so as you said, like nerves are quite natural and uh, I think the whole week kind of uh, helped us prepare for the nerves that we were going to have in the final because we played such amazing teams throughout the whole week. So we started to kind of build some momentum and it just kind of made things a lot easier. Uh, we played a reasonably good first then. We managed to uh, steal, so it kind of settled some nerves there. And Yeah, uh, it was probably, I would say it was definitely the biggest game of my career. Um, an amazing experience for all of us. Uh, we've all had success out with the Grand Slam series, so uh, to go into competitions where we're playing teams in the top five or top ten in the world and to be winning those games is just amazing uh, for us so yeah we're really excited to see where we can go your team had a good start to the season having won two world curling tour titles before the boost national but you had not really played that many top 20 teams during the season the fact that you were able to win the boost national while defeating the likes of jacobs cooey and McEwen in consecutive elimination games must have been especially satisfying for your team and given you confidence heading into the second half of the season uh, yeah, so when the first two competitions in Canada, we I don't think, yeah, Kyle was probably the only one in the top 15, top 20. Um, and uh, we ended up playing, I think it was Peter de Cruz twice and Ulf uh in the Swiss Cup in Basel uh, the following time and we didn't uh, manage to win those games. So we kind of had that in the back of our minds as well. But uh, going into the Bush National, we had had uh, two really solid weeks of training and uh, we'd managed to kind of pick up our, our game a bit, we thought, um, after our kind of disappointing competition in Jean-Marie. So going into uh, the competition in Calgary the week before um, the Boost National, we didn't play our best, but we were kind of there, thereabouts, and then we just had that, an amazing competition at the Boost National playing all these amazing teams and uh, finally getting to beat some of the or more teams in the top 10 and top 5 are worth the most that we're up there. Now Scotland obviously has a rich curling history and have had some strong sides early in the 17 plus years of this century. So were you surprised when you learned that you were the first Scottish men's team to win a slam and how exciting is it to put your name in the history books like that? Uh, yeah, I actually knew that a Scotland side or men's side hasn't won the, a grand slam before so Going into the final, that was also kind of lingering in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, that would be really something to be able to say that we were the first Scottish team to win. And, yeah, we obviously we did. So it's just an unbelievable piece of history that we've been able to create, I guess. Uh, like Teams like David Murdoch and um, I think David Mundell was up there in the semi-final as well. And obviously Kyle was there last year. So these are amazing teams that you hear about and you've kind of growing up watching and to be able to say that we were the first team to win one is it's uh yeah it's hard to kind of express and work. and finally bruce what's next for your team are you taking a bit of a break now or are you back on the ice in the near future for another competition yes we have three weeks off until we play a competition in dumfries that's part of the i think it's the challenger series that is part of the world curling tour so that should be a good competition that's where grant's from so um we'll hopefully have some support there uh, but we've got training lined up in the new National Curling Academy in Stirling, so 
um, we'll be training this week and trying to build up a solid technique again. <laughs> Maybe uh, it wasn't that bad this week, but, you know, you kind of go to competitions for two weeks and you start to pick up bad trends again. So we're just going to go and try and have a solid three weeks of training before before Christmas and before Dumfries and try and build up the other slams or um, the Scottish Championships in February. It's now time for Fresh Pebble, your news and notes from the world of curling. The European Championships are taking place this week in St. Gallen, Switzerland. More than halfway through the round robin, the four pre-event favourites on the men's side are dominating, with the Swiss at 7-0, the Swedes at 6-1, while the Norwegians and the Scots are at 5-2. The favourites are also doing quite well in the women's event, with Sweden leading the way at 6-0, while Scotland and the Swiss are at 5-1. The one surprise early in the event has been Team Sidrova of Russia, who are at 2-4 following an 0-4 start. The Russian ladies are hoping to defend the title won by their country women Team Moiseva last season. The Travelers Curling Club Championship is ongoing this week in Kingston, Ontario. This event is for players that have not played in a Briar, Scotties or Full Field Grand Slam event in the past four seasons. A pair of former Travelers Championship winning skips are in the field in Kingston. On the men's side, Newfoundland Labrador's Andrew Simons from the Remax Centre in St. John's is looking for his second title in three years after prevailing in 2015 in Ottawa. On the women's side, Alberta's Nanette DuPont of Lethbridge Curling Club is looking for Travelers' victories seven years apart. She prevailed with a different lineup in 2010 in Charlottetown. Last week, Curling Canada announced that Canada's future curling superstars will gather in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan for the 2019 New Holland Canadian Junior Men's and Junior Women's Curling Championships. The 2019 Canadian Juniors will be played from January 19th to the 27th and will be co-hosted by the Art Hauser Centre and the Prince Albert Golf and Curling Club. It will be the second time that the Canadian Junior Championships have been contested in Prince Albert following 1987 when New Brunswick's Jim Sullivan and BC's Julie Sutton came out on top in the first year when the Canadian Junior Men's and Junior Women's Championships were combined into one event. Before presenting our feature interviews, let's take a minute to recap last week's action on the World Curling Tour. At the DeKalb Superspiel in Morris, Manitoba, Team Barker of Saskatchewan defeated Team Maillard of Manitoba 7-6 in the women's final, while Team Johnston of Northern Ontario took the men's title with a 4-2 win over Team Schwaller of Switzerland. At the Red Deer Curling Classic, Team Dejong of Alberta defeated Team Fujisawa of Japan 4-2 in the women's final, while Team Botcher continued their strong play, winning the men's final 6-2 over Team Appleman. And in the final at the Mixed Doubles Burn event in Switzerland, the Russian team of Brizgalova and Kushelnitsky defeated the reigning world champions Peret and Rios of Switzerland by a score of 7-1. This week, as we get closer to the Olympic trials, we continue on our road to Ottawa series with Casey Scheidegger of Team Scheidegger and Kate Cameron of Team Englot. Casey Scheidegger and her team put themselves firmly into the world curling landscape when they won the Meridian Canadian Grand Slam last season. They have continued their strong play in 2017-2018 and will head to Ottawa coming off a finals appearance at the Boost National where they lost to Team Jones. Here's our interview with Casey Scheidegger. Casey, your results so far this season seem to be mixed, but sometimes in curling, the results don't always reflect the way a team is playing. How has this season gone from your perspective? We're really happy with our season so far. Obviously, in some of our events, we would have liked to do a little bit better. Um, it was kind of disappointing that we didn't qualify in Vernon. So that was our one disappointment. But I think after that, we, we took a lot away from that weekend and we were able to learn some new information and then did better in our next two events. So um, we're happy with the season and how it's gone so far. We feel like the more we play together, the better we're getting and the more we're learning. And I think that 
we're really excited for this week to see um, if we can kind of bring it all together before we start the trials. Last season was somewhat of a coming out party for your team as you won a Grand Slam, but it obviously wasn't your first year on tour. For those in our audience that might not be as familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your progression during this current Olympic cycle? So for us, we, we're we from Alberta, and so our main goal has always been to make it to the provincials and then do well there so that we could hopefully advance to the Scotties at some point. And we started, Jesse, Carrie-Anne, and I started at the beginning of this current cycle that we're on and not really having a goal other than winning the Alberta Provincials. So that's sort of how we structured our seasons. It was to do well in the Alberta a World Curling Tour events because the way Alberta works is if you have enough points from the Alberta events, you get a berth directly to Provincials which worked really well for us. We um, had gotten that almost every year that we had played together. And then last year we got a CTRS point because of the slam. So that was really, obviously really beneficial for us to be able to do that and to play in our Alberta provincials continuously. And then last year things sort of changed for us when we won the Edmonton Steel. Obviously that was great. But then after we won the Calgary one, Paul Webster had kind of mentioned to us, oh, you guys might want to keep your heads up for the pre-trials. And so before that, you know, we were kind of on the cusp, not not in it for sure. Um, And then when we won the Meridian Open, um, he sort of put the bug in our ear as to you know what, you guys might be in the trials. And when we played in Toronto, we were just really trying to kind of solidify that spot and and have a really great weekend there. And we managed to qualify. So that definitely took a little bit of pressure off for us because it was a close race and we were one of the last teams to qualify for it. So it's sort of like an unreal thing that we were able to accomplish that in a year. And it was just from... I think all of the hard work we put in years previously, we, we, we've worked really hard. And I think that finally we kind of had some success and then made our breakthrough onto the slams, which we absolutely love playing in. And it's been really fun and we've learned so much and we're just hoping to grow on this in the future. We often hear from players and teams that once they've achieved a signature victory, they end up with a bigger target on their backs with teams bringing their A games when they play against them. Since your Grand Slam victory last season and since qualifying directly for the Olympic trials, have you gotten a sense that teams are a little bit more primed and focused when they meet you at an event? Yeah, I, I think we've definitely noticed it. And, and I think, you know, we're pretty good as a team as to welcoming that because we want teams to play really well against us so that it pushes us to play better and to not take anyone for granted. We've always lived by the saying is you're only as good as your next game. And I think that earlier in our season, that's kind of been a wake up call for us too, because teams have come out and they've played really, really well against us. And, you know, we, we've, we kind of went back to that saying and just, you know, remembered that we can come out and have a great game. We and win or lose. And we can also come out and have a terrible game and we can't take anybody lightly, especially at the level we're playing at now. So I think that we come into every game not thinking about who we're playing, just focusing on us playing well as a team. We often hear that the teams are so close when it comes to skill level at an event like the Olympic trials that the difference is often the teams that come into the event best prepared mentally. What has your team been doing this season to help you prepare for the grind of an Olympic trials, which can be a mental grind even for the best teams and players in the world? 
I think like Christy has gone through this a little bit before. Um, and then we also, we obviously have Carolyn as our coach as well. So they've brought a lot of experience and knowledge about how the trials work to our team and, and kind of helped prepare us in that way. But we've, we've also been working with a really great sports psych. Um, she, lived in Calgary during the summer. And so I drove up quite often during the summer to meet with her just to practice mental training because it is such a huge part of the game. And there's lots of quotes that go on that like it's 90% mental at this level and 10% skill because we're all so close, close and skill level. And so it is that mental part of the game that does separate, you know, first from seventh or ninth or so to speak. And so we have, we recognized that and we've been working really hard to train mentally, which is sort of a new thing for us because it's not something that we've really had access to in the past. And now with the funding that we've received and the help from Curling Canada, we realize that this is a really important part of the game. And so we've been working with Kara and she's been awesome. And I think that we've learned lots about our mental training and it's something that we continue to learn about with each game and we're really lucky she's going to join us here this week as well. And so, yeah, we're looking forward to it and we're always, always trying to train that part of our game. Most of the teams that will be at the trials in Ottawa are battle tested. They've played in the Scotties, Olympic trials or Canada cup. And in most cases have played deep into those events. Now, Carrie Ann McDaggart is the only member of your team that has previous experience at an Olympic trials. What have you done to leverage her experience in preparation for the event in Ottawa? No, Carrie Ann's been a great help for me, especially. And I think that she's also prepared us for, you know, how loud the crowd can be and how, how crazy it can be in there at times. And she's obviously has that experience and she's been helping us as much as she can to prepare mentally for that as well. And I think that we're just really looking forward to getting there and then learning lots as a team as we continue through it. What does Team Scheidegger need to do well or do better than you have so far this season to make it to the playoffs at the trials in Ottawa? I think we just need to be really consistent with our with our shot making and I think that's something we're working on this week. It's It's nice to have a slam this close to the trials that we can kind of fine-tune Um, parts of our game here and then go home and work on things that we need to do better for the trials so we're just really working on our consistency and our communication Um, we know it's going to be loud at the trials and we were really excited to play in that environment but obviously we're using lots of hand signals now to make sure that we know when to sweep when to not sweep things like that just as preparation for um, Ottawa. Casey, I have a couple of quick-fire questions for you before I let you go. First off, you utilize the tuck slide in your delivery, which is something we don't see much in the women's game. How did you end up starting with the tuck slide and keeping that delivery as you've grown into one of the elite players in the world? I, I just sort of happened. My my dad took us out to throw our first rocks, my sister and I, when we were quite young. And that's just sort of the slide that happened naturally for me. And my dad was a tucker as well in his younger years when his uh, knee, he had some knee problems um, not related to curling and had to change his delivery a little bit. But it just, yeah, it just happened. And then I was fortunate enough to have some coaches along the way who kind of supported that because there were a lot of people along the way too who really tried to change my delivery to a flat foot slide um, with the broom up and things like that. And I think I sort of started curling in an era where that perfect delivery was a really big part of 
teaching younger kids how to curl, especially like flat, you had to be flat foot. You had to have your broom tucked up. And there were lots of curling camps and things like that, that I went to where they did try and change my delivery, but I always went back home and just went back to what worked for me. And I think now it's a little bit more accepted, especially with, you know, we have curlers all across Canada who are really successful, who have a wealth of different types of techniques and slides. And I think that as coaching has evolved with the game as well, um, it's become more accepted. And every coach that I've worked with recently is has been awesome and just helped me with the delivery that I have and hasn't ever put it down or things like that. So I've had a lot of support along the way. I mean, it was a little harder when I was young, but recently I think I'm sort of coming into my own and really embracing that. And I, I kind of, I enjoy it. I like, you know, being a little bit different and it's kind of fun to see some of the reactions that um, we get as a team for having that tech delivery, but it's, it works for me and then I'm not planning on changing it anytime soon. No, I want to take you back to earlier in your career when you first started playing on tour, who was the opponent the first time you looked at the other skip in the house and you thought to yourself, holy shit, I can't believe I'm skipping a game against player X. That's a tough one. It probably would have to be, I was quite young when we first, like Kathy King, when I was younger was, you know, kind of Alberta's queen of curling. And so the first time we played her, I remember thinking, wow, like she's been to the Scotties and has been really successful. So that was definitely one. And then um, obviously Heather Nettowin as well. I remember playing her in an autumn gold and winning. And that was kind of like a holy shit moment as well. And finally, Casey, I'm going to end with a pretty cliche question for an interview like this. What would it mean for you to win in Ottawa and represent Canada at the Olympics in Pyeongchang? I think it's really hard to describe what it would be like to win. I think that it's something that we've dreamed about, the four of us, since we were little. And I think that actually achieving that would just be amazing. And to be able to represent your country at such an elite level a level would be an absolute dream come true. And, you know, it's something that we we look forward to. And we're just going to go to the trials and have fun and play like we can. And we'll see what happens. Kate Cameron is the third for Team Englot and will be playing in her first Olympic trials. Team Englot came within millimeters of defeating Team Homan to win the 2017 Scotties. They will arrive in Ottawa having had mixed results this season, but as you will hear Cameron explain it, they've been more preoccupied with arriving at the trials in peak form than focused on results. Kate, I want to start by asking you about your team's season so far. You've won an event and qualified in half of the events you've entered, but it seems to have been a bit of a grind lately. That being said, sometimes results aren't 100% reflective of how a team is playing. How would you characterize your team's season so far? Um, I think that this season we, we've tried a lot of new things, actually. Um, we've been working with a few different coaches and mental coaches to try to make sure that we're peaking at the right point and how to get there. Um, by no means are we not trying, but uh, we're very, very close. And, and, yeah, our results might not show it, but I think we're actually pretty happy with our play. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're right on track to where we want to be. We're, we're really, really close. After your junior career was over, you came on tour as the skip of your own team, winning an event in 2012. What did you learn during those early seasons as a skip at the pro level that have allowed you to become one of the better elite thirds in the world at a relatively young age? Yeah, so I did skip two years out of juniors, but I actually skipped my entire junior career also. You know, I've always been fortunate enough to play with 
really close friends, and, and actually the girls on Team Angle have become really good friends of mine, and I think it just makes you want to, it, it's so much easier to dedicate your time and, and all your needs to curling and, and to try to be the best that you need to be to succeed, and it's just so much more enjoyable doing it with people that you, you love being around, really, right? So I think that I've been pretty fortunate in that sense, and it's helped me grow as a curler, um, and obviously playing these great players, and even when I was younger, in 2012 and 2013 when I was skipping, um, it just allowed me to want to be better and, and to play against these teams, and even if I did get killed against them, uh, to know what it took to be an elite curler. When you joined forces with Chrissy McDonald at the start of the 2014-2015 season, what were some of the major adjustments you had to make in moving to third after a few seasons of being the boss, as it were? Well, I still like to think of myself as a boss sometimes. <laughs> no, no uh, what I really needed to learn was, well, sleeping. I've never done that really before, and that took a lot of work. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely number one, sleeping and getting into shape. Number two would be uh, when to talk and when not to talk, to be honest. Being a skip, you, you kind of have the last say, and it's at the end of the day, it comes down to what you want to throw. And, and being a third, you know, I've got to be supportive of someone who maybe isn't on the same page as me and doesn't like what I'm doing, and, and when's the right time to say that, and when is it? In 2016, your team came within one win of qualifying for the Scotties, and then Christy decided to retire from curling. Can you take me through the process that led to you, Leslie, and Renora reaching out to Michelle Englot to join the team? Well, after we heard that Christy wasn't going to play anymore, it was actually days, I think like maybe two days after we had lost the Manitoba final. Um, she had let us all know that she'd be stepping away. She was expecting and we all, we kind of took a couple of weeks, I think we took about a week, a week and a half to ourselves to really kind of gather our thoughts and figure out what we wanted and, and if we wanted to keep playing and, and what some options might be and where we were all kind of at. And, and, you know, it could have been a good time for Renora and Leslie to step away too. None of us really knew what we wanted um, or had other opportunities maybe. So um, we had a conference call, the three of us, and we really, there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows in that conversation. And, and you know, some disappointment, some it's year two, year two just finished, Who who's even available, what do we even want, we don't have any money, how are we going to get this person on our team, and really we just kind of, we wanted experience, and we wanted knowledge, and we wanted a good personality fit for our team, and uh, Michelle's name came about, and I, I actually emailed her the, that night, I think, and uh, she emailed me back right away, like probably an hour later, and she's super excited, and she wanted to talk to her boys, and, and at the time we didn't really... We just thought, okay, she wanted to talk to her family about this decision. Obviously, it's a big decision for her, but now looking forward, uh, Michelle's kids really are her supporters and her number one go-tos, and they really actually, I don't think people realize how much uh, her kids impact her curling and, and how they push her to be better. So, um, yeah, it's kind of different than a mother-son role. They're kind of like son-mothering her. And, uh, yeah, she talked to them, and, and the very maybe the next day or the day after that, it wasn't long at all. She was like, I'm in. I, she, I don't even think she talked to work yet. She's like, I'm in. This is, this is a good place for me. And then we went to Korea about three weeks later. So it all came together quick, and, and here we are now. Now, I'm not trying to date her, but your current skip played in four Scotties before you were born. How valuable has it been for you at this point in your career to play with a curler that has as much experience as Michelle? You know, Michelle's a perfect skip for me. I'm uh, very vocal and can be much more fiery than most people, and she is not at all. She's very calm, has a very calm demeanor, doesn't speak unless necessary, and uh, she's taught me a lot about patience and to just really enjoy the experience. I mean, she's been to the Scotties. I think that was her eighth or ninth Scotties. I can't even remember. And 
you know, still to that moment, it's like before we're walking out in the final, like she had never been in a final, but, you know, just, just experience, she's like, you know, like, make sure you're looking at the crowd, make sure you enjoy this, like, oh, Canada's playing at the opening ceremony, you know, just, just moments like that, that maybe I wouldn't have known, not necessarily just about curling, but to really just embrace all moments, and to think that she still has that uh, mentality after being there so many times, and she's still just as appreciative as she was the first time she went. Your team started strong last season. You won an event in September, but I'm wondering if that finals appearance at the Tour Challenge last season was a bit of a turning point for your team in its current incarnation with Michelle at the skip position. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for the three of us, that was our third season into the slams. You know, we had made semifinals and quarterfinals on numerous occasions, but uh, I actually didn't know until we went into that semifinal that it just didn't dawn on me that that was Michelle's first grand slam of curling since sports has had it. She's never been to one. Um, and that was kind of cool to, like, think, okay, well, we're actually giving her something that she's never done before either. You know, it kind of goes both ways. And, and uh, yeah, of course, making the final, that definitely peaked her season. And, and we really, we had a lot more, well, we actually had very little losses from that point forward, actually. But uh, if you look at our season from last year to this year, we're, we're almost at the exact same standings as we were last year. And, and we just had an immaculate November. And, and really just kept riding it until the Scotties in February. To be perfectly honest, many curling observers sort of approached last year's uh, Scotties as a bit of a coronation for Team Homan. But your team seemed to have a different plan, beating them in the round robin, the one versus two game, and then coming within a millimeter of basically winning the Scotties. Now, almost a year later, do you take any satisfaction of having played so well that week and coming up just short? Or is it still frustrating to have played so well and to have lost, basically on a shot that even Rachel Homan might only make once or twice in 10 tries under that same kind of pressure? I wouldn't say frustrated. It's definitely not the word I would use. Obviously, we're really proud of how we played, and and regardless of it, of who was expected to win, and and the games we did win, if they were we were on the right side or not. But yeah, it's disappointing that we didn't finish that off well, and and we were so so close. You know, you I think you're always going to think of that, and and fans that we talked to, or any spectator that ever watched, or other curlers, even you know, they've all talked to us and. And they've all kind of been like, you know, that was like so close and, and it really was. It was a great game by both teams and, and it could have gone either way and someone had to lose. So, uh, yeah, we take a lot from it. And, of course, it's disappointing, but I think it's made us want to be even better, if, if that's the right way to put that. We keep hearing from players that the trials are a different animal than any other curling event, even the Scotties. Now, Michelle is the only one on your team that has previous experience at the trials. What, if anything, has she done or said to help the three of you prepare yourselves for the trials? Well, uh, we actually haven't talked about that. <laughs> no, uh, we've done so much mental work with our sports psychologists and uh, some Curling Canada coaches that uh, we haven't actually really spoke to Michelle about her experience before her the way she kind of helps us with her is her experience is just her calm demeanor and and we kind of just let her be the leader and we we kind of follow with that and I kind of did the same thing at the Scotties never being there before I had no idea what to expect and even in the playoffs you know looking back and watching some commentators and you know they're all like most people would crack under pressure right now or whatever and and being in that moment it's all I'm thinking about is just staying on the same level as my team. And I think the three of us will really follow Michelle's lead and because she is just a calm person and, and easily, I guess she just guides us pretty easily with what she wants and she kind of takes direction. Now, as you just touched on briefly, many teams have turned to sports psychologists to help them prepare for events, especially large events like the Olympic trials. What impact has working with a sports psychologist had on your team? 
Yeah, it's really, well, week-long events like this, I don't think most people realize how mentally exhausting it is. It's more mentally exhausting than it is physically exhausting. We're all in shape. We all can curl for a week and a half. That's not the hard part. It's it's the highs and lows and how to ride them and, and when things aren't going good one game, how to shake them off to be better the next game. So we're actually bringing our sports psychologist with us to Ottawa to help us with that. And so, you know, we kind of have, have scenarios and, and other events that you come to that we've kind of done like a, a mock trial run and and just to see how we can utilize her individually and as a team and, and what she knows us and what each of us need at that moment, whether we're having a good game or a bad game and, and how to bring it forward if we're playing great and how to turn it around if we're not. And finally, Kate, for the most cliche question of all, what would it mean for you to go to Ottawa, win the trials and represent Canada at the Olympic Games in Pyeongchang, Korea? Oh, God, I think if anyone didn't say the answer of it being a dream come true, they're crazy. Obviously, I mean, that's what we're working for. That's the ultimate goal for any single curler out there right now. Uh, you want to get to Olympics, and, and that's exactly what we want to do. And obviously, that would be a dream come true. And, and I don't even think I could express how I'd feel in, until probably weeks after the trials, to be honest, for it to really sink in. And that does it for episode 16 of the From the Hack podcast. My thanks to all of our guests. Join us next week for more interviews with some of the key personalities from the world of curling. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at From the Hack and also follow our From the Hack Facebook and Instagram pages. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack. <laughs>